The ACBE Forum, Volume 61, February 2023, Number 8. Published by the American Council of the Blind. Read by Nancy Gahagan in the recording studio of the Perkins Library. Be a part of ACB. The American Council of the Blind, trademark, is a membership organization made up of more than 70 state and special interest affiliates. To join, contact the National Office at 1-800-424-8666. Contribute to our work. Those much-needed contributions, which are tax-deductible, can be sent to Attention Treasurer, ACB 6200 Shingle Creek Parkway, Suite 155, Brooklyn Center, Minnesota, 55430. If you wish to remember a relative or friend, the National Office has printed cards available for this purpose. Consider including a gift to ACB in your last will and testament. If your wishes are complex, call the National Office. To make a contribution to ACB by the Combined Federal Campaign, use this number, 11155. Check in with ACB. For the latest in legislative and governmental news, call the Washington Connection 24-7 at 1-800-424-8666 or read it online. Listen to ACB reports by downloading the MP3 file from www.acb.org or call 518-906-1820 and choose option 8. Tune in to ACB Media at www.acbmedia.org or by calling 518-906-1820. Learn more about us at www.acb.org. Follow us on Twitter at ACB National or like us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash ACBNATIONAL. Copyright 2023, American Council of the Blind. Eric Bridges, Executive Director, Sharon Lovering, Editor. 1703 North Beauregard Street, Suite 420, Alexandria, Virginia, 22311. Table of Contents President's Message Join us at the Accessible Currency Rally by Dan Spoon. ACB's 2023 Leadership Conference Convention Changes by Janet Dickelman. Stimulate your potential and personal greatness. Apply to become a 2023 ACB J.P. Morgan Chase Leadership Fellow by Kenneth Semyon Sr. The BOP Seeks to Award Excellence by Katie Frederick. ACB Diabetics in Action. Legislative Update by Charles Nabaretti. Lee Braylink and Dexcom CGM. An Updated Comparison by Randy Knapp. Artificial Sweeteners Could Cause Diabetes, Shocking New Research Says, by Aaron Keller. Recipe Corner by Sugar Lopez. Summary of the Fall Board Meeting by Penny Reader. How Special Interest Affiliates and State Affiliates Working Together Builds Membership, compiled by Artis Bazin. Affiliate News. Passings. Here and There, edited by Cynthia G. Hawkins. Hitech Swap Shop. Upcoming Forum Themes and Deadlines. May 2023, Teachers and Students. Deadline, March 24, 2023. 
June 2023, Convention, Deadline, April 24, 2023. Are you moving? Do you want to change your subscription? Contact Sharon Lovering in the ACB National Office at 1-800-424-8666 or via email, slovering at acb.org. Give her the information and she'll make the changes for you. President's Message. Join us at the Accessible Currency Rally by Dan Spoon. I'm so excited. This year's in-person portion of the D.C. Leadership Conference will feature a rally in Lafayette Park across from the White House to raise our voices to promote inclusion on our U.S. paper currency. The 2023 D.C. Leadership Conference will offer something for everyone. The first segment of the conference will feature a four-day virtual conference on the afternoons of Saturday, March 4 through Tuesday, March 7. This segment will include a two-day President's Meeting with interactive panel discussions, ACB committee updates, and a keynote speaker. We will have a Sunday night fireside chat and personal interviews with our six new ACB board members who were elected in 2021 and 2022. The second two days will focus on advocacy issues with the legislative seminar. There will again be informative panel discussions, presentations from federal agency representatives and elected representatives. These presentations are always of great value to our members to help us understand the most pressing advocacy initiatives affecting our community. After Leslie's and my experience with Southwest Airlines over the holidays, we can't wait to talk with the FAA. The second portion of the 2023 ACB-DC Leadership Conference will be our first chance to get together in the nation's capital in three years. We're so excited. The in-person segment of the conference will be from Thursday, March 9 through Monday, March 13. The board meeting will be held on Thursday, March 9 from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. and broadcast on ACB Media. The Accessible Currency Rally will be held at Lafayette Park on Friday, March 10 in the afternoon. Saturday, March 11 and Sunday, March 12 will feature interactive focus workshops in the morning, followed by plated lunches with inspiring speakers. These four days will also include a wonderful package of tours with visits to Mount Vernon, the Library of Congress, the U.S. Capitol, the White House Visitor Center, and a narrated tour of the monuments on the National Mall with opportunities to explore the monuments. There will be a network dine-around on Saturday night and an opportunity to travel to Capitol Hill on Monday to visit with your state's representatives and senators. We strongly encourage everyone to register for the 2023 ACBDC Leadership Conference. The registration fee will be $25. There will be an additional $150 in-person registration fee for those attending the in-person segment of the conference. This fee includes the two plated lunches on Saturday and Sunday, the complete tour package, transportation to the rally and a rally reception, and participation in a set of leadership-focused workshops. This will be a fantastic networking opportunity for all our ACB leaders. We look forward to seeing you at the 2023 ACB-DC Leadership Conference. ACB's 2023 Leadership Conference ACB's 2023 Leadership Conference will have both a virtual and an in-person component. Registration for the Leadership Conference will cost $25. 
ACB's President's Meeting and Legislative Seminar will take place virtually from March 4 to 7 and will include a fireside chat on Sunday, March 5. The in-person portion of the Leadership Conference will take place at the Hilton Alexandria Old Town from March 9 to 12 in Alexandria, Virginia. This event will take place in-person only. Podcasts of the Saturday and Sunday sessions will be made available afterward. Schedule of Events Thursday, March 9, Board Meeting, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. Friday, March 10, Rally for Accessible Currency in D.C. and Evening Reception. Saturday, March 11, Guest Presenter and Luncheon, 9 a.m. to 1 p.m., and Evening Dine Around in Old Town, Alexandria. Sunday, March 12, Guest Presenter and Luncheon, 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. Monday, March 13, Attendees may visit Capitol Hill to visit with their representatives. In addition to the $25 Leadership Conference registration fee, registration for the in-person portion of the Leadership Conference is $150. Registration will include attendance to the virtual President's Meeting and Legislative Seminar, multiple exciting and informative tours around the D.C. area from Thursday morning through Sunday afternoon, weekend luncheon meals, transportation to and from the Accessible Currency Rally, and a $10 Starbucks card. Attendees will be able to join as many tours as they wish at no additional cost. The room rate for the Hilton Alexandria Old Town is $119 plus tax. The Hilton Alexandria Old Town is located at 1767 King Street, Alexandria, Virginia, 22314. To make a reservation at the Hilton, visit tinyurl.com slash acb dash h-i-l-t-o-n numerals 23 or call 703-837-0440 and make a reservation for the American Council of the Blind Room Block with the group code ACB23. Convention Changes by Janet Dickelman After the conclusion of the 2022 ACB Conference and Convention, and after many engaging calls with special interest affiliates, ACB committees, vendors, and our convention attendees, one of the issues that was brought up was the length of the convention. People enjoyed the Zoom-only days prior to the hybrid convention. However, they did not like the Zoom days afterward. Most people wanted the convention to formally end with our banquet, to enjoy the final Friday tour and say farewell to the convention for the year. We listened to all your suggestions and feel that we have a plan that will appeal to everyone. All times listed below are central time. The following is a list of events that will be held virtually. Wednesday, June 14, 7 p.m., Candidates Forum. Saturday, June 17, don't miss our hugely popular virtual summer auction. Monday, June 19, 7 p.m., call to order, standing rules, first credentials report, and first reading of Constitution and Bylaws report. 7.30 p.m., Nominating Committee. Tuesday, June 20. 7 p.m., Begin Discussion on Resolutions. Wednesday, June 21. 10 a.m. to noon, Exhibitor Open House. 7 p.m., Continuation of Resolutions Discussion. Thursday, June 22. 10 a.m. until 6.45 p.m., Virtual-only programming, affiliate business meetings, ACB committee, special interest affiliate and business partner sessions. 7 p.m., 
Continuation of Resolutions Discussion Friday, June 23, 10 a.m. until 6.45 p.m., virtual-only programming. Affiliate Business Meetings, ACB Committee, Special Interest Affiliate, and Business Partner Sessions. 7 p.m., Continuation of Resolutions Discussion. Saturday, June 24, 10 a.m. until 6.45 p.m., Virtual-Only Programming, Affiliate Business Meetings, ACB Committee, Special Interest Affiliate, and Business Partner Sessions. 7 p.m., We'll hold an event of great interest to all, which is still in the planning stages. In-person convention. Committees, special interest affiliates, and business partners may hold events in Schaumburg from Friday, June 30 through Wednesday, July 5. During session times, we will have two hybrid rooms, offer two Zoom-only sessions, and provide space for other sessions that are in-person only. In-person-only sessions, excluding mixers and other purely social events, can be recorded by ACB and will be available as podcasts, but they will not have Zoom capability. We will hold up to six concurrent sessions. General Sessions Opening general session will be held on Saturday, July 1 at 7 p.m. On Sunday, July 2 from 9 to 11.30 a.m., there will be two breakout sessions determined by the Advocacy Steering Committee. These sessions will both be hybrid. Daily general sessions will be held Monday through Wednesday, 8.30 a.m. to noon, and Thursday from 8.30 to 1 p.m. Officer Elections On Saturday evening, July 1, we will open with election for president. Voting for the first contested election will be Sunday afternoon, with affiliate roll call on Monday morning. We will continue with this election pattern until all five officers are elected. Resolutions and Bylaws Individual voting for any contested resolutions and bylaws will be held Wednesday, July 5, from 2 to 6 p.m. Affiliate roll call will be held Thursday morning, July 6. Exhibit Hall New this year. We will have evening hours in the Exhibit Hall. Exhibits will be open on Saturday from 1 to 5 p.m., Sunday 3 to 9 p.m., Monday and Tuesday 11 a.m. to 5 p.m., and Wednesday 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. Hotel details. Room rates at the Renaissance are $98 per night double occupancy, with an additional $10 per person for up to four people, plus tax, which is currently 15%. To make reservations online, visit tinyurl.com slash numeral 2 MB numeral 9 YN numeral 5 J. For telephone reservations, call 1-800-468-3571. This is a central reservations number, so please indicate you are with the American Council of the Blind 2023 Conference and Convention at the Renaissance Hotel in Schaumburg, Illinois. Staying in touch. The convention list will be filled with information. To subscribe, send a blank email to acbconvention plus sign subscribe at acblists.org. If you received updates for the 2022 convention, you do not need to resubscribe. Convention Contacts 2023 Exhibit Information Michael Smitherman, 601-331-7740 amduo at bellsouth.net 2023 Sponsorship Opportunities ACB CONV 
S-P-O-N-S-O-R-S-H-I-P-S at acb.org, or contact Eric Bridges or Clark Rockfall at 202-467-5081. For any other convention-related questions, please contact Janet Dickelman, Convention Chair, 651-428-5059, or via email, J-A-N-E-T dot D-I-C-K-E-L-M-A-N at gmail.com. Stimulate Your Potential and Personal Greatness. Apply to become a 2023 ACB J.P. Morgan Chase Leadership Fellow by Kenneth Semyon Sr. ACB members are invited to apply to join the class of 2023 ACB J.P. Morgan Chase Leadership Fellows by completing the first-ever online application for consideration. The link to apply will be announced on various ACB lists and on the website. The ACB J.P. Morgan Chase Leadership Fellows Award connects five recipients who have demonstrated leadership potential to enhance their lives through personalized leadership development activities. Recipients will join us in Schaumburg, Illinois, for the 62nd Annual ACB Conference and Convention from June 30 to July 7, 2023. You may currently serve in a leadership role or have served in a leadership role previously and wish to renew your interest in engaging in the work of ACB, your affiliate, or chapter. This award could be of support. Therefore, if you meet the criteria below, we invite you to learn more about and participate in ACB's Advanced Leadership Development Program. To be eligible for consideration, each applicant must be age 18 or older, blind or visually impaired, and current on ACB membership dues. Applicants will experience a 30-minute interview with a team of DKM committee members during mid-April. In addition, a letter of recommendation must be submitted by the applicant's state or special interest affiliate president. Applicants are to be sure that they meet the award criteria before requesting a letter of recommendation. The letter of recommendation should include the applicant's demonstrated leadership qualities, potential, and contributions on any level within the organization or in their local community. The DKM program and ACB honors recipients by funding round-trip air travel and supporting transportation, hotel accommodations, double occupancy, per diem allowance for meals and incidentals, reception, banquet tickets, the general convention registration fee, and other determined activities. Optional tours and other fun activities are not covered by the program. The responsibilities of each recipient include, but are not limited to, attending the full week of conference and convention activities from Friday, June 30, through the end of Thursday, July 6, participating in daily sessions and the Keys to the Convention seminar, along with special interest and committee seminars, while making efforts to interact with ACB leaders and fellow members. The applicant submits an online application, and the affiliate president submits a letter of recommendation to Kelly Gask, K-G-A-S-Q-U-E, at acb.org. These items must be received in the ACB National Office no later than April 3rd. Recipients will be selected by the ACB president and executive director during the latter part of April. Recipients will be notified shortly thereafter. All questions should be sent to DKM Chair Kenneth Semyon Sr., S-E-M-I-E-N dot K at Outlook.com or by phone 409-866-5838. The BOP Seeks to Award Excellence by Katie Frederick. 
The ACB Board of Publications proudly recognizes excellence each year with three annual writing awards. We are seeking nominations for the Ned E. Freeman Excellence in Writing Award, the Vernon Henley Media Award, and the Hollis Liggett Braille Free Press Award. The Ned E. Freeman Excellence in Writing Award was instituted in 1970 and will be awarded based on the following criteria. An article must have been first published between April of 2022 and March of 2023. All articles published in the ACB Braille Forum in all forms and formats are automatically eligible for consideration. Individual articles published by any ACB affiliate in its official publication may also be nominated by the affiliate's president or editor. Articles from affiliate publications may be submitted in any format. The article must demonstrate excellence in writing, novelty of approach, and or originality of the subject matter. The author of the winning article will receive a plaque and a cash prize of $100 at the annual ACB conference and convention. The Vernon Henley Media Award is conferred based on the following criteria. The Vernon Henley Media Award is intended to be a vehicle for publicizing ACB throughout the general media and to encourage excellence and accuracy in electronic and print coverage of items relating to blindness. This award may be presented to an organization, company, or individual, either sighted or blind, who has made a positive difference in the press, whether in radio, television, electronic media, magazines, or daily newspapers, during the period encompassed by April of 2022 through March of 2023, by portraying the capabilities of people who are blind in a positive light, rather than focusing on outdated stereotypes and misconceptions. Programs and or articles written and produced specifically for a visually impaired audience, as well as those intended for the general public, are also eligible. A variety of media are eligible for nomination for the Vernon Henley Media Award. Examples may include television or radio programs, commercials or public service announcements, videos, articles from magazines, newspapers, newsletters, posters, or any other new or emerging media sources. Submissions such as books or recurring columns or blogs for the same person should include a synopsis and no more than three sample chapters for books and no more than three samples of the recurring columns or blogs nominated. Submissions should be accompanied by a letter of nomination as well as the sample copy of the item being nominated. Incomplete submissions will not be considered. The BOP chairperson will annually send a letter to affiliate presidents, newsletter editors, and other media markets encouraging nominations for the Vernon Henley Media Award. A plaque will be presented to the Vernon Henley Media Award recipient at the annual ACB conference and convention. The Hollis Liggett Braille Free Press Award will be presented based on the following criteria. The Hollis Liggett Braille Free Press Award is intended to promote best journalistic practices and excellence in writing in publications of ACB's state and special interest affiliates. All periodicals of ACB affiliates, distributed no less than semi-annually, are eligible. Nominations must be submitted by the affiliate's newsletter editor or president. Submissions must include the following. 1. Two issues of the affiliate's publication from the previous calendar year, sent electronically and in hard copy if applicable. 2. Answers to the following questions. A. How often is your publication published per year? B. In what formats is your publication produced? 
Members of the BOP directly involved in the editorial process of any submitted publication will excuse themselves from judging or scoring that particular publication. Criteria for judging submissions will include A. Overall contributors in a single issue B. The variety of information presented in each issue C. How well the publication portrays the affiliate D. The quality of content throughout the publication a plaque will be presented to the Hollis Liggett Braille Free Press Award recipient at the convention. And now, the fine print. All nominations must be submitted to the ACB Braille Forum editor, Sharon Lovering, with a postmark of no later than April 1, 2023. You may also submit your nomination electronically to slovering at acb.org. All submissions should be accompanied by a cover letter providing details about the nominee, including name, address, telephone number, and email address of the nominee, if known, and details about the submission, its origin, and any other pertinent information. The contact information of the person making the nomination should be included in the cover letter. Members of the Board of Publications, Board of Directors, and staff and contractors of ACB are prohibited from participating. ACB Diabetics in Action, Legislative Update by Charles Nabaretti. The American Council of the Blind Diabetics in Action, ACBDA, is dedicated to helping blind and visually impaired diabetics cope with the serious condition of type 1 or type 2 diabetes. To this end, ACBDA has regular community calls, conducts educational calls where experts provide information, have a peer-to-peer mentor program where ACBDA members can share acquired knowledge with less experienced members, and has conducted instructional sessions on how to approach and persuade legislators to support legislation which would benefit diabetics, providing members with sample letters to send to their legislators after appropriate modification to request support for bills which benefit diabetics. Medical devices generally do not provide readings verbally. In 2017, ACBDA sponsored a resolution which urged ACB to support the adoption of a bill which would require manufacturers to develop medical devices, such as continuous glucose monitors, which provide readings verbally. When we learned of H.R. 4853, a bill which would require, among other things, that medical devices which provided printed readouts to also provide these results verbally, Members of ACBDA conducted an informal session to support this important legislation. ACB adopted as one of its legislative imperatives the passage of H.R. 4853. This year, ACBDA has pushed for the cost of insulin to be limited to $35 per month for all diabetics, regardless of income levels and insurance coverage. Some visually impaired diabetics who are on low fixed incomes sometimes have to make the dangerous choice of cutting their prescribed insulin dosage in order to pay for the necessities of life, such as rent or food. ACBDA members sent letters to their senators urging the passage of this legislation. However, because only the provision that Medicare recipients would have the cost of insulin limited to $35 per month passed under the reconciliation procedures, other diabetics still pay more than $35 per month. ACBDA is planning to continue to push Congress to pass legislation which will limit the cost of insulin for all diabetics to $35 per month. LibreLink and Dexcom CGM, an updated comparison, by Randy Knapp, ACBDA board member. 
Over the last two years, I have used the Abbott Diabetes Care LibreLink version 1.0 and the Dexcom G6 Continuous Glucose Monitor CGM systems, and I thought I would share my observations about the technologies from a historical perspective leading up to today's cutting-edge advances in treating and better managing diabetes. Both devices offer the ability for the user to check blood sugar levels without a finger stick. Both devices can be accessed through the use of an app on a smartphone. In my case, I used an iPhone to monitor my blood sugar readings. The LibreLink CGM takes approximately one hour to warm up and needs to be changed every 14 days. The Dexcom G6 takes two hours to warm up and needs to be changed every 10 days. Both devices can be independently installed by a blind user, but the way they install is different. Version 1.0 of the LibreLink sensor is a one-piece system that can be installed on the back of the upper arm. There are no codes to enter, and it mounts securely. To obtain a reading, you must use the camera on the phone to scan the sensor. The reading is sent to an app on the phone, and it will speak the result with its own voice or by using voiceover. Version 2.0 of the LibreLink sensor incorporates the following changes. Customizable optional real-time alarms. This is the biggest advancement for the Libre 2.0. Low blood glucose alarms can be set between 60 to 100 milligrams per DL, and your high blood glucose alerts between 120 and 400 milligrams per DL. The user will get an auditory alert, or a vibration, which will prompt him or her to scan their sensor with the reader to get the glucose value. These alerts are optional, and all of them can be turned off. ICGM Designation the LibreLink 2.0 received the ICGM designation from the FDA, which means there can be digital communication between the LibreLink 2.0 and other devices such as smartphones, insulin pumps, smart pens, etc. Collaborations with Tandem, Insulet, and Bigfoot have been announced to develop a semi-closed loop system. This means that users of the LibreLink 2.0 sensor and an insulin pump can work together to create an efficient way to manage blood sugars. The LibreLink sensor has been approved for use with children as young as 4 years old. Changes for LibreLink version 3.0 Abbott Diabetes Care claims that the latest sensor is the smallest, thinnest sensor on the market, about the size of two stacked pennies. It can be installed on the back of the arm with a one-piece applicator. Monitoring has become more efficient. Results are automatically reported to a phone, or currently to an inaccessible handheld reader every minute, resulting in real-time blood glucose readings. Readings are more accurate, especially at the extremes. The Dexcom G6 can mount on your stomach or the back of your arm. The sensor is comprised of two pieces, the sensor and the transmitter, which mounts on the top of the sensor. The transmitter and the sensor have codes that must be entered into the app before the sensor is started. The sensor lasts for 10 days, but the transmitter lasts for 3 months, and can be moved from sensor to sensor for use. Codes for the transmitter and sensor can be scanned with a smartphone and can be entered manually or by taking a picture. The Dexcom G7 will be the newest product from Dexcom and will be available late 2022 or early 2023. At the time of this writing, specific details about this product are unavailable but individuals living with diabetes and vision loss very much look forward to working with Dexcom to ensure it is fully accessible. Both devices worked the way one would expect them to. 
and the one that is best for you to use is an individual decision, based on input from you and your doctor. The benefits of real-time monitoring cannot be overstated. It is a revolutionary tool that will help you to better manage your diabetes and help you to learn about how your body processes a variety of foods in your diet, with the ultimate goal of living a happier and healthier life. Artificial Sweeteners Could Cause Diabetes, Shocking New Research Says, by Erin Keller. Reprinted from the New York Post, August 19, 2022. Real sugar can quickly rack up calories, but artificial sugar may cause diabetes. Scientists are now warning that some artificial sweeteners can alter the body's microbes in a way that changes blood sugar levels, according to new data published in the journal Cell and reported by Southwest News Service. The sugar substitutes, which include saccharin and aspartame, are in thousands of diet products, such as fizzy drinks, desserts, ready meals, and cakes, and can also even be found in chewing gum and toothpaste. Manufacturers have long denied that the substitutions could have adverse effects on the human body, and experts have previously noted that blood sugar levels aren't affected by them. However, the new data suggested that caution may be necessary. In subjects consuming the non-nutritive sweeteners, we could identify very distinct changes in the composition and function of gut microbes and the molecules they secrete into peripheral blood, senior author and professor Aron Ilanov of the German National Cancer Center told SWNS. This seemed to suggest gut microbes in the human body are rather responsive to each of these sweeteners, he added. When we looked at consumers of non-nutritive sweeteners as groups, we found two of the non-nutritive sweeteners, saccharin and sucralose, significantly impacted glucose tolerance in healthy adults. Interestingly, changes in the microbes were highly correlated with the alterations noted in people's glycemic responses, Ilanov explained. The professor's team identified this same phenomenon with mice in 2014. Curious about what would happen with humans, Ilanov and colleagues screened more than 1,300 people and found 120 who strictly avoided artificial sweeteners in their everyday lives. That bunch was broken into six groups, two controls and four who ingested well below the daily allowance of either aspartame, saccharin, stevia, or sucralose recommended by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. Microbial samples from subjects were then injected into germ-free mice raised in completely sterile conditions with no gut bacteria of their own. The experiment results ultimately suggested that microbiome changes in response to human consumption of non-nutritive sweeteners may, at times, include glycemic changes in consumers in a highly personalized manner, concluded the professor who added that the effects of the sweeteners may vary per individual due to the unique composition of one's microbiome. Previous research has found that artificial sweeteners could have a bad effect on one's metabolism and appetite control. A report published by the American Journal of Preventative Medicine in March also found that vaping could lead to high blood sugar and diabetes. This article can be found at tinyurl.com slash yuas numerals 74 vu. Recipe Corner by Sugar Lopez Recipes are from Diabetic Gourmet Magazine or their website unless otherwise noted. Zucchini Roll-Ups with Roasted Red Pepper and Feta Cheese Recipe Ingredients 5 medium zucchini, about 8 ounces, 250 grams each, 
cut lengthwise into one-quarter inch, 0.6 centimeter slices. One red, orange, or yellow bell pepper cut in half and seeded. One half medium red bell pepper roasted and peeled or used jarred. Two tablespoons canola oil or olive oil, 30 milliliters. One third cup crumbled feta cheese, 75 milliliters. One tablespoon lemon juice, 15 milliliters. One eighth teaspoon freshly ground black pepper, plus more to taste, 0.5 milliliters. 2 cups baby arugula leaves, 2 ounces, 500 milliliters, lightly packed, 60 grams. 1 third cup lightly packed fresh basil leaves, 75 milliliters. Toothpicks. Directions. 1. Preheat grill or grill pan over medium heat. 2. Set aside outermost slices of zucchini for another use. Brush inner slices of zucchini and bell pepper halves with canola oil on both sides. Grill until just tender, about three minutes per side. Remove from grill to cool and slice pepper halves into thin strips. Zucchini and pepper may be made a day ahead and stored in airtight container in refrigerator. 3. In small bowl of food processor or mini processor, place roasted red pepper, feta cheese, and lemon juice. Process until mixture reaches spreadable consistency. It will not become completely smooth. Stir in black pepper. 4. Spread about 3 quarter teaspoons, 4 milliliters, of feta mixture onto zucchini slice. Place a few slices of bell pepper, about 1 half inch, 1.25 centimeters, from end of zucchini slice, along with a few arugula leaves and one small or half of large basil leaf. Roll up and insert toothpick to hold roll. Repeat with the rest of zucchini slices. 5. Serve immediately or store an airtight container in refrigerator for up to one day. Allow to come to room temperature before serving. Tips. 5 medium zucchini yields just the right number of slices. Buy any extra zucchini if you would like to have some room for error. You can use jarred roasted red pepper instead of preparing your own, but be sure to rinse and drain it really well to avoid extra liquid in the spread. Notes. Tender grilled zucchini makes a delicious wrapper for crisp, colorful vegetables, fresh herbs, and a creamy feta spread, all rolled into beautiful bite-sized bundles. It is a true veggie celebration with grilled, roasted, and fresh produce in each mouth-watering bite. Recipe yield 8 servings, 24 roll-ups. Serving size, 3 roll-ups. Nutritional information per serving. Calories, 70. Fat, 5 grams. Saturated fat, 1.5 grams. Fiber, 1 gram. Sodium, 135 milligrams. Cholesterol, 5 milligrams. Protein, 3 grams. Carbohydrates, 4 grams. Spinach artichoke yogurt dip. Try this spinach artichoke dip at your next party or serve to your family while watching a game on TV. Only 7 grams of carbs per serving. Recipe yield, 8 servings. Ingredients. 1 can, 14 ounces, artichoke hearts, drained and chopped. 1 package, 10 ounces, frozen chopped spinach, thawed and drained. 8 ounces plain low-fat yogurt. 1 cup shredded low-moisture part-skim mozzarella cheese. 1 quarter cup green onion, chopped. 1 garlic clove, minced. 2 tablespoons red pepper, chopped. Directions. 
heat oven to 350 degrees Fahrenheit. Combine artichoke hearts, spinach, yogurt, cheese, onion, and garlic. Mix well. Pour mixture into one-quart casserole dish or nine-inch pie plate. Bake 20 to 25 minutes or until heated through. Sprinkle with red peppers. Nutritional information per serving. Calories 179. Fat 12 grams. Sodium 383 milligrams. Cholesterol 18 milligrams. Protein 11 grams. Carbohydrates 7 grams. Summary of the Fall Board Meeting by Penny Reader. President Dan Spoon called the October 22 hybrid board meeting to order at 9.05 a.m. Central Time. All board members were present, either in person or via Zoom, along with several guests. To listen to the podcast visit, tinyurl.com slash numeral 2 KYH numerals 6755. Following adoption of the meeting agenda and approval of the minutes, everyone congratulated the ACB advocacy team on the introduction of the Website and Software Application Accessibility Act bill in both the Senate and the House of Representatives, and the expected introduction of the Communications, Video, and Technology Accessibility Amendments, CVTAA, in mid-November. Clark Rockfall, ACB's Director of Advocacy and Governmental Affairs, described the effective collaborative strategy that has enabled ACB to rally support for both pieces of legislation. Work on the legislation was begun by organizations of and for people who are blind, he said. But it became clear that this legislation is not only for people who are blind and have low vision. It will also benefit people with speech and communications disabilities, people with mobility and dexterity impairments, and people who are deaf and hard of hearing. The bill has the support of 21 organizations that represent the entire disability community. The board approved several staff and committee reports under the consent agenda before revisiting the ACB Policy on Prohibited Conduct and Applicable Complaint Investigation Procedures, formerly the Code of Conduct, which were addressed at the July 1 board meeting and discussed at subsequent meetings. Deb Cook-Lewis and Mitch Pomerantz explained that the committee had been working to develop one comprehensive document, which includes a complete definition of prohibited conduct and a description of related processes. She stated that the committee had developed more prescriptive timelines for handling complaints and had made several revisions and handled several technical conditions in revised language. Following the meeting, the committee prepared a document defining prohibited conduct, detailing the investigatory process, the pathways toward complaint resolution, and an appeals process, and shared it with the board electronically. The board unanimously accepted the prohibited conduct policy statement via online vote and ratified the vote at their December meeting. To view the policy, visit acb.org code-of-conduct. With respect to changes in the ACB leadership list, Dan said that he, Deb Lewis, and others working on the project have accomplished two major goals. First, they updated list membership, removing some members, including several who had passed away, and identifying current leaders who should be included. All state and special interest affiliate presidents, committee chairs, co-chairs and vice chairs, members of the board of directors, the Board of Publications, and the ACB Enterprises and Services Board, ACBES, all living past presidents of ACB, staff members, and winners of the J.P. Morgan Chase Fellowship and DKM First Timers Awards over the past three years. 
The group also developed guidelines for assuring a well-functioning list. The board approved both sets of guidelines. After lunch, the board heard reports from ACB staff members and committees. Eric Bridges, executive director, described the hard work that every ACB staff member, members of the Audio Description Project Steering Committee, and the Audio Description Gala Planning Committee have been involved in. Eric said that, within the next week, ACB would be posting the Audio Description Project coordinator position. The person who is hired will report to Clark Rockfall. The coordinator will also be assisting Clark and his team with legislative and governmental priorities, of which audio description is a component, and Eric and others in collaborative projects with representatives from the entertainment industry. Eric also announced that ACB would be looking for a new location for the national office because the Alexandria, Virginia School District, which owns the building where the office is currently located, will be converting the building to a public school. Next, Jeff Tom and Kim Charlson reported on actions ACB has taken in response to resolutions from 2021 and 2022, which criticized Success Beyond Sight Incorporated, SBS, an online registry for teachers of the visually impaired, TVI, which allows individuals to include themselves as TVIs on the registry, regardless of their certification status. Jeff reported that the committee met with the Special Education Task Force to become familiar with the registry and to develop recommendations for any actions by ACB. When they investigated, Jeff said, they found that the disclaimer did not adequately inform website visitors that people who self-report their status as TVIs do not have to indicate whether they are certified as TVIs. ACB was also concerned about a badge or logo that appears beside each listed name. As a result, Dan Spoon, Jeff Tom, Kim Charlson, Clark Rockfall, and Swathananda Kumar met with Kathy Zider, executive director of ACVREP, and representatives from SBS, a subsidiary of ACVREP. SBS representatives indicated that the registry was created to identify TVIs for purposes of engaging them in research. They agreed to rewrite the disclaimer to clarify that a name's listing on the registry should not be taken to mean that the person named is a certified teacher of the visually impaired, to move the disclaimer to a more prominent location on the website, and to remove the badges and logos printed beside the listed names. ACVREP did not agree to remove wording that defines the list as a national registry of teachers of the visually impaired. Jeff asked the board to approve sending a letter to ACVREP, commending them for rewriting the disclaimer and removing the logos, while also expressing ACB's concern about the implications associated with a listing that identifies itself as a National Registry of Teachers of the Visually Impaired. The board unanimously approved sending the letter to ACVREP with one change in wording. As part of her financial report, CFO Nancy Becker explained the process which she, ACB committees, ACB's officers and executive director, the board's budget committee, and ultimately the whole board utilized to develop and approve the ACB budget for the upcoming year. The process is well underway. The board will meet in December to discuss and approve the 2023 budget. Nancy said that interest in earning continuing education units, CEUs, increased dramatically during the pandemic. As a result, ACB is investigating whether it would be possible for professionals to earn CEUs from attendance at community events. And as the members' website, members.acb.org, continues to expand its capabilities, ACB is investigating ways for members to access the links for community events. Nancy and David Trott summarized ACB's current financial status, 
via the 2022 year-to-date report. The board then reviewed and approved the 2022 Legacy Endowment Drawdown to help with cash flow in the new year. Penny Reader reminded everyone that the Board of Publications meets on the first Tuesday of each month at 8 p.m. Eastern. Meetings are streamed, and guests are encouraged to participate in discussions. She discussed the ACB Voices blog, which has recently featured expanded formats and content, including audio interviews, recorded music, and photographs. The ACBES board met separately and re-elected Michael Garrett as president and David Trott and Kim Charlson to continue in their current roles. Dan and Nancy reported on data that has emerged from adding voluntary gender identification and race and ethnicity fields to the membership database. Approximately 62% of people who chose to share their demographic information identify as female, and 38% identify as male. Roughly 33% of members chose to share that information. People who identify as Asian constitute 2.3%, Black or African American, 7.3%, Hispanic or Latinx, 5.7%, Middle Eastern or North African, 0.2%, Multiracial or Multiethnic, about 1%. Native American or Alaskan Native, 0.6%. Native Hawaiian or other Pacific Islander, 0.5%. Those who identify as other, 1.1%, and 5.7% preferred not to answer. People who identify as South Asian represent 0.4%. White or Caucasian represent 75.3%. Discussion followed with respect to urging chapter presidents to collect the information. Gabriel Lopez Cafati, who chairs the MCAC Hispanic Subcommittee, suggested that community events and open forums can be used to help people understand why it is important to share the information. Next, Dan called upon the board to evaluate two possibilities for the 2023 Leadership Conference. The first is to hold a hybrid leadership conference, including a board meeting, a president's meeting, and a shortened legislative seminar, then following up those meetings when participants return to their home states by scheduling virtual meetings with legislators and their staff members via Zoom. A second possibility is to hold two events. One, the event described above except making it a virtual-only event, and hosting a second in-person event in Washington, D.C. that can include some leadership development activities, an accessible currency rally near the U.S. Treasury and the White House, and several options for tours within the city. After discussion, the board voted unanimously to explore the second option. Following a brief executive session, where no action was taken, the board meeting adjourned at 6.03 p.m. Central Time. How Special Interest Affiliates and State Affiliates Working Together Builds Membership Compiled by Artis Bazin Editor's Note Artis Bazin is the chair of ACB's Membership Committee. You can reach her via email a-b-a-z-y-n at b-a-z-y-n C-O-M-M-U-N-I-C-A-T-I-O-N-S dot com. End of note. In October, the ACB Membership Committee held five focus calls on the topic of special interest affiliates. The first night dealt with the fact that special interest affiliates and state affiliates working together helps boost membership for both groups. The next four nights gave presidents or their designees an opportunity to tell everyone about their special interest affiliate. These were to familiarize members about the purpose of each special interest affiliate and understand how they could participate and join them. Membership and involvement are two common topics in ACB. 
When members of state affiliates learn about the type of members these affiliates are recruiting, they can more easily recommend that their members check them out. Some of the ways to have both the special interest affiliate members and the state affiliate members understand each other is to know how each might help the other in recruiting, in finding programming for both types of members, and in widening the base pool of possible members. When your state affiliate holds its conventions, consider asking members of special interest affiliates in your state to participate. You might ask them to plan a presentation relating to their affiliate or offer a time slot for a breakout session. In this way, both special interest affiliates who wish to increase membership and state affiliates can benefit. The more people who attend your conventions, the more you are likely to earn in fundraising and participation fees. Consider putting information about special interest affiliates in your state affiliate newsletter. Special interest affiliates offer support in specific areas. For example, Diabetics in Action holds community calls on topics to help diabetics. American Association of Blind Teachers supports students in the teaching field by sharing teaching techniques and educational opportunities. You could contact the president of one of the special interest affiliates and ask for an article about their monthly calls and other support options. State and special interest affiliates can hold joint community calls to share information which might be relevant to both. Many affiliates work together to provide sessions at the national convention relevant to more than one affiliate's members. Joint sessions get more convention participants to participate in the session and help members understand the relevance of joining together for the same purpose. Good luck on your efforts in building relationships between affiliates. Don't hesitate to contact the ACB Membership Committee for further assistance. Our February and March focus calls will highlight various state affiliates' spring conventions. Focus calls generally fall on the fourth Sunday of the month at 9 p.m. Eastern. Affiliate News Friends in Art, FIA, a nonprofit organization with the mission of creating spaces where visually impaired artists and audiences thrive, and an affiliate of the American Council of the Blind, ACB, offers an annual $2,000 scholarship to college students who are legally blind. If you are a high school senior or a college student engaged in the fields of music, art, drama, graphic arts, and or creative writing, and are blind or visually impaired, we encourage you to apply. In addition to being legally blind, applicants must maintain a 3.0 GPA, be a full-time student or work 32 or more hours per week while attending college part-time, and be involved in their school or local community. To find out more or to apply, visit acb.org scholarships. Be sure to highlight your arts-related activities while completing the application form so that we will know you are interested in applying for the FIA scholarship. Please also note that completion of the application process will make you potentially eligible for other ACB scholarships. Deadline, February 14, 2023. Please direct any questions to Peter Altschul, FIA Scholarship Chair, at creatingcommonground@outlook.com. C-R-E-A-T-I-N-G C-O-M-M-O-N-G-R-O-U-N-D at Outlook.com. Apply now for the Samuel Janensky Carl Foley Magnification Award. CCLVI will award four iPads to individuals with low vision. This annual award is in honor of Samuel Jajensky, an innovator in low vision technology who was the founding president of CCLVI, 
and Carl Foley, a very caring distributor of magnification devices, who attended many ACB conventions, and took great care in providing the correct magnification device for each person he served. The iPad can be used as a magnification device and would allow for more independence in everyday magnification and as a portable CCTV with the built-in camera and a free downloadable app called MagLite. Applications will be accepted from Thursday, March 16th through Monday, May 1st at 11.59 p.m. Eastern. For more information, visit cclvi.info slash magnifier. Passings. We honor here members, friends, and supporters of the American Council of the Blind who have impacted our lives in many wonderful ways. If you would like to submit a notice for this column, please include as much of the following information as possible. Name, first, last, maiden, if appropriate. City of residence upon passing. State, province of residence upon passing. Other cities, states, countries of residence. Places where other blind people may have known this person. Occupation. Date of death, day if known, month, year. Age. ACB affiliation, local, state, special interest affiliates, or national committees. Deaths that occurred more than six months ago cannot be reported in this column. Richard L. Byrd, September 8, 1952, to December 26, 2022. Richard L. Byrd of Cleveland, Ohio, passed away on December 26, 2022. He was 70. He was the beloved fiancé of Jill D. Noble, loving brother of Jerry M. Bird and Albert W. Bird, dearest uncle of Michael, Sean, Jerry, Melissa, and Allison, and a dear cousin and friend of many. Richard served honorably in the Army during the Vietnam War. He was a national advocate and president for many years of the Randolph Shepard Vendors of America, an organization helping blind and visually impaired people become employed and also an advocate for blinded veterans of America. He went to Capitol Hill many times for hearings on their behalf. Visitation was held January 5, 2023. He was buried at Ohio Western Reserve National Cemetery. Fond memories and expressions of sympathy may be shared at www.craciunberrywfuneral.com. For the Bird family. Dan Sipple, February 25, 1951 to December 14, 2022. Daniel Francis Sipple, 71, of Eau Claire, passed away at his home December 14, 2022. He was born on February 25, 1951, in Antigo, Wisconsin, to the late Joseph and Dolores Shallow Sipple. He was number nine of ten children, eight of which were boys. Dan graduated from Antigo High School in 1969, where he met Susan, Wilde, and they were married on June 24, 1972. They celebrated their 50th wedding anniversary this past summer with their three daughters and their families. One of Dan's first jobs was as a truck mechanic, where he was able to work alongside a few of his brothers and other colorful characters whom his daughters loved hearing stories about. After Dan and Sue were married, they moved to Green Bay, then to Shawano, and finally to Eau Claire, where Dan began his career with the state of Wisconsin as a white-collar crime investigator. 
He remained with the state until he retired on disability due to his degenerative eye disease, retinitis pigmentosa, in 1996. Early retirement didn't suit him, and he quickly became involved with the Golden K. Kiwanis, where he later served as president. He then started his own business, Sip and Snack Vending, through his involvement with the Randolph Shepard Vendors of America. Dan became involved in other organizations advocating for people who are blind and with low vision, including Wisconsin Council of the Blind and Visually Impaired, where he served on the board of directors, the elected Committee of Blind Vendors of Wisconsin, where he served as president, and ADRC as a board member. He also continued his involvement with RSVA, serving as president for 10 years before retiring for the second time in 2020. In his spare time and before his eyesight prevented it, Dan was an avid woodworker. He and Sue would attend craft fairs in the area, where they would sell his projects and Sue's crafts. He also served for a time as the president of the Eau Claire Area Art League. On top of his many, many activities, Dad was a proud dad and loving Grampy who loved to travel, Vegas being a personal favorite, and spend time with his family. Dan shared a love of Twizzlers and Jolly Ranchers with his grandkids, had a penchant for bestowing nicknames to loved ones, and enjoyed a good pecan pie and an occasional Jack Daniels. He was looking forward to enjoying so many more of these things. He is survived by his wife, Sue, children, Jill, Gary, Gray, Jody, Travis, Fisher, and Jesse, Dan, Frank, Sipple, grandchildren, Noah, Gray, Adeline, Gray, Allie, Anderson, Owen, Fisher, Caleb, Fisher, and Danica, Frank, brothers, Dave, Sipple, Richard, Bonnie, Sipple, George, Sipple, Jim, Linda, Sipple, Jerry, Mary, Sipple, and Larry, Lori, Sipple. Sister, Marianne Sipple. Sister-in-law, Marge Sipple. Brother-in-law, Ron Wild. Mother-in-law, Dorothy Wild. And many nieces, nephews, relatives, and friends. In addition to his parents, he was preceded in death by his brother, Glenn Sipple. Sister, Lois Ickinger. Father-in-law, Clarence Wild. Sisters-in-law, Sandy Sipple. Carol Sipple. Karen Sipple. And Marty Wild. In lieu of other expressions of sympathy, please consider a donation in Dan's memory to Foundation Fighting Blindness. Donate.fightingblindness.org slash web donation. D-O-N-A-T-E dot F-I-G-H-T-I-N-G B-L-I-N-D-N-E-S-S dot org slash W-E-B-D-O-N-A-T-I-O-N. Shirley Wiggins, reprinted from The Gazette, Cedar Rapids, Iowa. Shirley May Adelman Wiggins, 90, passed away peacefully in her sleep on Wednesday, December 7, 2022. Shirley was born on September 8, 1932, in Vinton, to Ardell Perry Adelman and Hattie May Edler. She was united in marriage to Lloyd Joseph Hillesheim Sr. in 1950 in Olwine. Shirley gave birth to her only son who brought her much pride and joy, Lloyd Joseph Hillsheim Jr. in 1951 and he preceded her in death in March 2014. Shirley married Harry Wiggins in 1964, and he preceded her in death May 1986. Shirley lived most of her adult life in Cedar Rapids. She enjoyed performing and entertaining for many years, singing and playing her accordion at various venues, and volunteering her musical talents in Cedar Rapids nursing homes. In the words of Kim Walford, the Iowa Independent Living Program Administrator, 
Shirley's unwavering commitment and absolute outstanding contributions to ILAC and IDBA to meet goals will forever be remembered through her spirit and will shine on. Shirley lived a long and productive life, advocating for the blind community through career and volunteered services. Shirley has been involved in organizations of the blind since 1959. She has served on the Iowa Council of the United Blinds, ICUB Board of Directors over the years, and she was president of the Cedar Rapids chapter of ICUB for many years. She chaired the Lynn County Support Group for many years. Many blind people knew her across the state. She would host chapter picnics in the summer and Christmas get-togethers for ICUB members for many, many years. She served on the Independent Living Advisory Committee for many, many years for the Iowa Department for the Blind. She was always willing to help others. Shirley co-hosted the state ICUB memorial service at ICUB conventions each year for many years. She has received various awards for her participation and service over the years. Shirley is survived by her brother, Robert Cross, sister, Serena Crow, daughter-in-law, Deborah Hilsheim, all of Cedar Rapids. Her beloved granddaughters, Tammy Jo Hilsheim of Navarre, Florida, and Jennifer Amanda Hilsheim of Hiawatha. Her very special great-granddaughter, Amia Montgomery, who was the light of her life. Many special nieces, nephews, and great-great-great-nieces and nephews. Shirley had many close and treasured friendships throughout the years. Shirley would like to let you know that her work here is done. She received a call, a sort of an offer you can't refuse, for an appointment from which she will not be returning. This assignment comes with a huge sign-on bonus, a reunion with family and friends she has not seen in a long time. Her new mission takes her to a wonderful place, where she will be socializing, dancing, and reading to her heart's content. Music, laughter, and love are guaranteed. Food is delicious, and you never gain an ounce. She left detailed instructions for her family and friends to celebrate her mission here, which has now been completed. Shirley's family would like to thank the staff at Silver Oaks Nursing Home for the wonderful and compassionate care that was given to her during the last four years. Memorials may be directed to the family. Online condolences may be left for the family at www.tehenfuneralhome.com www.teahenfuneralhome.com Here and There, edited by Cynthia G. Hawkins. The announcement of products and services in this column does not represent an endorsement by the American Council of the Blind, its officers, or staff. Listings are free of charge for the benefit of our readers. The ACBE Forum cannot be held responsible for the reliability of the products and services mentioned. To submit items for this column, send a message to slovering at acb.org or phone the National Office at 1-800-424-8666 and leave a message in Sharon Lovering's mailbox. Information must be received at least two months ahead of publication date. Lighthouse Guild and Bionic Sight announce partnership. Lighthouse Guild, the leading not-for-profit vision and healthcare organization, and Bionic Sight, the developer of treatments and technologies for advanced stage blindness, have announced that they are entering into a partnership that will change the landscape of treatment for people who are blind. Bionic Sight's technology focuses on restoring sight to patients with advanced stage blindness due to retinal degenerative diseases, such as retinitis pigmentosa. New from NBP 
NBP recently received a grant from the American Legion Child Welfare Foundation to produce a full-color tactile and braille map of the United States. The map includes state abbreviations and state capitals. A key is included with the full state names and the capital. Also new is the power of PowerPoint, using a screen reader to create attention-grabbing presentations, by Judy Dixon. It is available in BRF, DAISY, or Word. Learn how to create and show presentations using Microsoft PowerPoint with JAWS and NVDA. Looking for inspiration? Check out Saturday Morning Quotations, Volume 2, compiled by Kay Wilson. It includes 52 all-new memorable quotes in a pocket-sized spiral-bound booklet in Braille. These quotes are useful for speeches, toasts, and braille-reading practice. Over in the children's section, the newest book is Hurricane by John Rocco. It's available in UEB with tactile illustrations for ages 3 to 8. For assistance with all NBP listings, call toll-free 1-800-548-7323 or 617-266-6160, extension 520, or online at tinyurl.com slash numeral 3 MSZ numerals 54 CT. High-tech swap shop. For sale, one 40-cell slate with four lines. Gently used. No stylus. Asking $20 or best offer. Canambo 10 single-ear wireless headset. Good for Zoom and making phone calls. Asking $40 or best offer. Contact Marisa Musimich at 586-899-8428 or by email at merisa.musemic at gmail.com. For sale. Enhanced Vision, Low Vision Solutions Smart Reader HD OCR, a Vespero brand, QSG-1602-00. This smart reader comes with the main unit, power cord, 19-volt power supply, and an HDMI cable, asking $1,500 or best offer. We'll either pay for shipping or ship free matter for the blind, U.S. only. We'll accept Venmo at karen-sturgill-1. If you have any questions, send an email to alan.com. S-T-U-R-G-I-L-L at C-O-X dot net. ACB Officers President Dan Spoon Second Term, 2023 3924 Lake Mirage Boulevard, Orlando, Florida 32817-1554 First Vice President Deb Cook-Lewis First Term, 2023 1131 Liberty Drive, Clarkston, Washington, 99403. Second Vice President Ray Campbell, Second Term, 2023. 460 Rain Tree Court, Number 3K, Glen Ellen, Illinois, 60137. Secretary Denise Colley, Second Term, 2023. 26131 Travis Brook Drive, Richmond, Texas, 77406-3990. Treasurer, David Trott. Final term, 2023. 1018 East Street South, Talladega, Alabama, 35160. 
immediate past president, Kim Charlson. 57 Grandview Avenue, Watertown, Massachusetts, 02472. ACB Board of Directors. Christopher Bell, Pittsburgh, North Carolina. First term, 2024. Jeff Bishop, Kirkland, Washington. Second term, 2024. Donna Brown, Romney, West Virginia. First term, 2024. Gabriel Lopez Cafati, Miami Lakes, Florida. First term, 2026. Terry Pacheco, Silver Spring, Maryland. First term, 2026. Doug Powell, Falls Church, Virginia. Second term, 2024. Rachel Schroeder, Springfield, Illinois. First term, 2026. Kenneth Semyon Sr., Beaumont, Texas. First term, 2024. Connie Sims, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. First term, 2026. Jeff Tom, Sacramento, California. Second term, 2026. ACB Board of Publications. Katie Frederick, Chair, Worthington, Ohio. First term, 2023. Cheryl Cummings, Boston, Massachusetts. First term, 2023. Zelda Gebhard, Edgeley, North Dakota. Second term, 2024. Penny Reeder, Montgomery Village, Maryland. Third term, 2024. Cachet Wells, Jacksonville, Florida. First term, 2024. Accessing your ACB, Braille, and e-forums. The ACB e-forum may be accessed by email on the ACB website via download from the webpage in Word, plain text, or Braille-ready file, or by phone at 518-906-1820. To subscribe to the email version, contact Sharon Lovering, S-L-O-V-E-R-I-N-G, at acb.org. The ACB Braille Forum is available by mail, in Braille, large print, NLS-style digital cartridge, and via email. It is also available to read or download from ACB's webpage and by phone 518-906-1820. Subscribe to the podcast versions from your second-generation Victor Reader stream or from https colon slash slash p-i-n-e-c-a-s-t dot com slash feed slash acb dash braille dash forum dash and dash e dash forum.